We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. Trying to keep our humanity intact and our sense of hope and care for each other intact and not just fall into the darkness of ideas bouncing off each other sure. without the human heart. You said the word love. There's a perfect word when you think about light. Yeah. Love is almost a synonym for light. Sure. Yeah. It brings something heart-centered into our kind of conceptual, rational brains. Exactly. It balances that out. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 171, pH Factor, Under the Cover of Darkness, The Light That Guides. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. Harry. Yes, Peter. <laughs> Good afternoon. How's your coffee? Oh, it's, uh, my mother used to say, it's galacious. Maybe mm. we can use that word. It's galacious. <laughs> that is a very nice cup of coffee. Yes, hey. it is. So here we are, Harry, TSP 171. Yes, indeed. I should let you know before we begin the podcast, just for fun's sake, we passed uh, 28,000 downloads. Muzzle tough. Yeah, yeah. I'll drink to that. A little bit ahead of where I thought we would be. I was hoping we'd be about 25,000 by this time, but we're at about 28 and we could, we could fill a small hockey arena. Or an Olympic or pool. Two, a small Olympic pool with a, <laughs> with our <laughs> listenership over five years. <laughs> the thing is, most of it's come in the last 12 to 15 months. Right. When the world has gone to hell in a handbasket. Basket. Well, today we're going to be talking about something which relates way back to a podcast that we did on depression. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was TSP019. Yes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. And that podcast is now the second most listened to podcast of all 171 episodes that we have. Yeah, it's not surprising in a way, because people are fascinated with the dark side of human life, of yeah. human nature. And so that's why this particular episode, we've kind of come back to it in a certain way, because we're talking about under the cover of darkness, the light that guides, which is going to be ideally a discussion between you and I mm. about how light and dark play into all aspects of human life, physical, emotional, spiritual, cultural. It reminds me of the yes, no on the oxen's back end in Blazing Saddles, no? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we can think about an oxen's ass throughout the entire episode what? and keep coming back to that ass. It's the yes, no concept, <laughs> black, white, yes, no. <laughs> yeah, well, light, dark. Right. It's not that unusual a theme in a way because that runs through so much of life. But especially now, two years into COVID, mm -hmm. There's a lot of light and dark playing off each other and bouncing back and forth mm -hmm. in many ways through this time between people, between governments and their populations yeah. and all of that. But I thought maybe I would like to just sort of start by talking about vision, sight, because without vision or sight, we don't actually get light. Mm -hmm. particularly easily. Now, there are exceptions to that rule in a way. An octopus apparently has optical sensors, cells, mm -hmm. on its arms, not just in its eyes, so that its skin, in a sense, can pick up color and light, even though it tends to see in shades of black and white and grays. Well, an octopus works and, and lives in a very dark environment, typically, so that would be even more important. Right, but it also it has the ability to change color 
the animal itself. Its, its skin color to ward off other animals or to give sexual uh, cues off. I tried that once. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing that leopard skin uh, tank top. <laughs> Didn't work. It's yeah. truthful. We do that. Yeah. We dress as sexual cues too. We share sure. that with animals. And when you're talking about the light and dark, remember too that we cannot see color without light. Right. And humans have, I think it's three color receptors in our mm -hmm. optical apparatus. Birds have four. Animals are different in different ways optically. So that's important for us to start with, I think. Is the physiology. The physiology mm -hmm. of vision of light and dark. Mm -hmm. Rods and cones and all that stuff that we use. And think about how important it is. There was a book written a number of years ago by a writer named Saramago. It was made into a movie called Blindness. And the premise of the story was, get this, mm. the appropriateness of this, a virus attacks the human race, resulting in blindness for everyone on the planet. So everyone is moving in darkness suddenly overnight. Well, it's a kind of a metaphor, isn't it? Very much so. Because it mm. occurred to me on the way here for the podcast, that movie, I went, oh yeah, that movie Blindness says so much about where we're at now in mm -hmm. different ways. So You can also add the blind leading the blind. Well, there's that, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. We should talk about that. So, yeah, the importance of light, of sight, mm -hmm. light kind of equaling hope in some ways for people. And vision. The light at the end of the tunnel, the hope that we can get out of this situation in a better shape than we were going into it and during it. Mm -hmm. And then the dialogue of light and dark that is happening amongst the population that has been divided and when you talk about vision, you include the term perspective. Yeah, sure. And, yes. And the word vision itself is very forward thinking in terms of what do you see in the future? Yeah, and shared vision as a cultural phenomenon. We can't move forward as a society, as a world, unless there are shared visions or shared stories, as Yuval Harari has talked about, mm -hmm. right? That's a shared sight psychological, spiritual sight of what could be mm -hmm. if we moved in different directions. So we share in vision, in the light of the possible. If we refer back to the podcast that we did four years ago, we were also talking about it in terms of mental illness and depression. Right. So right. the darkness in a sense of hope. Yeah. And the whole thing started two years ago with the announcement that there is this thing that has kind of come out of the darkness, if you like. Mm -hmm. The unknown. Yeah. And it continues to be unknown and therefore dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so people need to retreat from the light, if you like, and cloister in their spaces away from this danger, this darkness. Was our own terrestrial alien. Yeah, in a way. There's that sense of... The darkness that has descended, you know, the great plague has descended. Mm -hmm. When you think of darkness, you also think of loss of direction. You don't know where you are in reference to because you don't have a point to rely on. Mm -hmm. And this virus has been kind of doing that too. It's been changing direction. Yeah, sneaky bugger, huh? Yeah, sneaky bugger. Yeah. And the word bug is kind of virus bug. A sneaky bugger is actually a very apropos yeah, term. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like doing this defensive dance with a foe that is in dense fog. Mm -hmm. Imagine dealing with something in dense fog. You can barely see it. It's here and then it's there. Remember the series Kung Fu with the blind master? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, there's always a blind master in this. <laughs> How come they, all, they always get blinded somehow? It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. Well, it makes the concept much more interesting about what you can actually see, what you see visually and what you actually see in your mind. 
Or and how your senses are accentuated. Yeah, the feeling sense, your antennae. And this virus in many ways has done that as well. It's accentuated a lot of our senses. Yeah. It's visceral as well as unknown. Mm -hmm. Visceral in the sense of how we feel it. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that uh, lies in our body, but we're experiencing it. Right. And that sort of inner struggle between fear, the mm. darkness of fear in a way, yeah. and the hope the, of light. And the hope of light and that sense of we can handle this. Yes. Uh, I think that's basically what we're talking about here hopelessness and hopefulness. Which direction are we heading? We're talking about now the reduction of restrictions and we're talking about removing vaccine passports. Mm -hmm. I'm still not convinced that this is actually going to go through the way they're talking about it because there's been a lot of backpedaling throughout this entire two-year process. Yeah. And so I'm not totally convinced about that. But at least we're beginning to make some shifts and perhaps some acknowledgments also of errors, but not from a punitive standpoint, but just understanding that we did make some errors and that we're hopefully correcting them as we go. Yeah, I mean, really, the darkness of the virus was met with the hope and the light of, ta-da, modern medicine, mm -hmm. right? The miracle of modern medicine with all of its fixes, its pharmaceuticals, its technologies and all of that mm -hmm. was really our great white hope or hope for getting out of this thing. Mm. And so everyone put their trust in the experts, the medical experts around the planet, not all of them in agreement, these medical experts. Yeah, that's the issue. This is the issue mm. at hand. But the idea of the darkness will be met by the light of medicine. Our knowledge of the natural world in our bodies mm -hmm. is greater than, ultimately will be greater than this virus. Right. And we will defeat it, a military kind of approach. Yeah, which personally, I don't agree with that particular approach. But. Yeah, except medicine is that approach, mm -hmm. especially the germ theory way of understanding allopathic medicine. It sure. really is about invasion of the body yeah. and then dealing with the invader. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be. I mean, I would definitely continually work on this, work on improving and the science and medicine, the rest of it, of course. But what bothers me about this entire thing is really not considering nature enough, hmm. natural law. Yeah. To me, that is a lot of the light. Nature provides a lot of the so-called, and I say light in italics, and we largely tend to, I don't know if ignore is the right word, but we're a little bit arrogant when it comes to what we go to to solve our problems. Look at the basic physiology of human sight, for hmm. example, is that we really only experience about 0.005% of the light spectrum. I saw that. That is available yeah. to us. So as you say, there's arrogance built in. You're only seeing 0.005% of the landscape, and yet you're acting like you can control everything that goes on in that landscape. Mm. That's the arrogance mm. of the modern mind and of science in some ways and medicine. Yeah, you should consider all those things. It's just that you work with nature, not in disregard or not saying, well, regardless of what happens, we're mm -hmm. going to reroute the river. Yeah, sure. We're mm -hmm. going to create a dam. We're going to decide where things go. Sure. Except that nature has other plans. Yeah, you can plunge people into darkness for two years mm -hmm. through lockdowns and other restrictions. But the virus thrives in darkness. 
If it's invisible, <laughs> it might as well be dark. Yeah, sure. And it's in the darkness of the body, so right. to speak, in the cells of the body. It thrives. It's, you know, it's like trying to beat a fish at a swimming competition. Right. You're not going to do it. The fish will win every time because we don't have fins. Fear denotes a certain darkness. Mm -hmm. When you're fearful, you tend not to be very optimistic and you tend to be dealing with the situation at hand. You're not going to be considering alternatives. Right. right? You're literally frozen to other possibilities. Yeah. And that to me is where the darkness and the light delineates. Hope to me connotes light. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the direction right now we're moving between these two. Yeah. When you think about the dialoguing that's going on out there on social media, etc., there's actually three paths that are happening. Okay. There are the two extremes that are kind of bashing yeah. at each other. And then there's another set of people, and I've noticed this online, saying, we've got to stop this hatred. We've got to stop this bickering. We've got to start respecting each other's humanity, working with love in terms of our approach to each other and not hatred and anger and resentment and all that stuff and accusations. So I think there's a third rail here running along in the divide, in that ditch that is trying to keep our humanity intact and our sense of hope and care for each other intact and not just fall into the darkness of ideas bouncing off each other sure. without the human heart. You said the word love. There's a perfect word when you think about light. Yeah. Love is almost a synonym for light. Sure. Yeah, it brings something heart-centered into our kind of conceptual, rational brains. Exactly. It balances that out. Which also distinguishes us from automation, technology, that element that you cannot, at least up until now, duplicate. Yeah, well, this whole thing about AI yeah. kind of moves in the direction of transhumanism, which is this whole idea of humans and technology fusing and integrating in such a powerful way that you create something new in a mm -hmm. way, a new kind of being on the planet. Some people would think that's the beginning of a dark age, actually. Well, there's another mind. kind of uh, imagery. The dark ages. Mm -hmm. Which, mm -hmm. ironically, is the opposite of the way it's communicated to us. Technology is supposed to be the revolutionary new age. Yeah, it's supposed to shed light on things uh -huh. that we couldn't otherwise access because of our slowly calculating brains and our limitations physically. Technology was promised this world of shedding light on so much, and it has, to, it be, has. to be fair. Yeah, it has. It yeah. has done a lot of that, right? But again, it's balancing. You see, it's excluding things. What we talked about earlier, no reason why you can't develop technology, science, medicine, while still understanding that whatever situation you create, there's a natural law. Mm, yeah. At least in my opinion, that supersedes whatever you're doing. That's interesting. That's just my view. But where do you come to that idea? Because every experience I've ever had in life from being in school and learning about rivers and lakes and mountains and sunshine and moon and planetary orbits and volcanoes and you name it, mm -hmm. there's always an action-reaction kind of a situation. I believe that's uh, Newton's third law of physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that applies to many things. It's not mm -hmm. just physics. Right. So if we create a situation that is unbalanced, yeah. nature always seeks to balance. No matter what we do, 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Nature so, will have its own fix, right. if you like, that is much more powerful and effective than what we can come up with typically. Right? Yeah. Let's even talk about COVID. Okay. So with COVID, there's the COVID itself, which is hurting people, even killing people. However, the predominant attention paid to COVID has caused a lot of fallout in other areas. Mm-hmm. So nature, I use the word nature broadly in the sense that there's a balancing point. So all the people, i.e., for example, who required medical attention didn't get it. Yeah. Right. So now you hear about the excess deaths that have occurred, mm-hmm. some of which are COVID, but there's also excess deaths in heart failures, in cancers, and so on, because you remove that balance. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, broadly. and also your vision, your sight has been spotlit upon COVID and only COVID for the most part through this period. So our vision has been purposefully narrowed by the communications coming out of government, by the way social media has obsessed on it, by the way legacy media has yep. obsessed on it, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So our vision has been narrowed. So our ability to see the entire light spectrum of the situation on the planet has been narrowed to that one thing. And then we're only talking about that aspect. There's all the other economic and social other Mm. aspects, which we're not even going to get into now. But they've all been off-kilter. Even our sense of darkness and light has been altered. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, again, even though I'm very optimistic about the ultimate outcome, I think there's been a lot more emphasis on the black side over the last two years. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you have the mainstream narrative that's been ongoing for two years, and then you have the dissenting narratives that are out there coming from different directions that for the most part have been doom and gloom. People have been saying, like myself, I count myself in that, saying Mm. there are issues, there are problems. This was a big mistake. That's a disaster. The vaccines don't actually do what they're told, all the negative. And we can come across sounding very negative, negative, negative and attacking. And people who are on the pro side of the argument get very pissed off because why are you being so negative all the time? There's good things happening too, right? And they're right in that sense. There's a focus there. But being a dissenter means I'm always looking for the cracks in the narrative. So then I'm really a case of sorts because even though I'm more of a dissenter than I am a pro, if you want to call it that, I'm very optimistic overall. I believe in the light side of everything that's happening. Well, it's very interesting because this convoy, the trucker's convoy that Mm. has been in Ottawa for, what is it, 20 days now? Going on three weeks? Yeah, three weeks. The narrative around that protest has been fascinating in terms of black and white, dark and light, right? From the prime minister essentially saying these are extremist white supremacists, Mm -hmm. racist misogynists, to the opposite saying these people are peaceful. They're children in bouncy castles. There's nothing, there's no violence going on here. This is a, Mm -hmm. a peaceful protest. It's not an occupation. So the dialogue becomes black and white, dark and light trying to paint each other with darkness. So the dissenters are painting the Trudeau government with this black brush of tyranny and oppression and idiocy and vice versa. So you have this black and white, dark and light clash. I've always been more of a gray type of person than a black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bobby Bland. (laughs) Bobby Bland, yeah, perfect. I say gray because I think things are circumstantial. Oftentimes, it's not black and white because the situation is not exactly the same. So even when you were talking about the trucking situation with the trucking convoy, 
you are painting a broad picture, but you're not explaining anything. So, for example, if you talk about white supremacist or funded from the outside or extreme rightist groups and so on, sure, there is that element, but don't stop at that. Right, yeah. Say, yes, this element has cropped up. There are people who are taking advantage of the situation. However, the majority of the people involved in this yeah. are doing such and such and such. Now, if that was happening, then the other side would also probably tone it down. Yeah, and the fact is that words are very powerful connectors. Mm -hmm. Words are weapons, as my friend Anthony Carnavali likes to say, words are weapons of mass construction or destruction. Right. They can go either way. And so the fact that the Prime Minister of Canada would not even utter a word in the same room as the trucker convoy people, he would not actually agree or even a representative of his government agreed to meet with them mm -hmm. to actually talk in words, discuss, dialogue. That's a form of light in itself. That, yes. that would be a light thing that where they could utilize that light, that moment of light to come to some sort of consensual agreement or whatever that would maybe allow this thing to have stopped two weeks ago. Even if uh, Trudeau had said, I'm not going to do this stuff because it's too much to end this right away. Mm -hmm. We have to do this gradually. But I hear you and I recognize and acknowledge that you are Canadian citizens. You're not just a pile of Nazis. Right. You are people. You are truckers. You are people with families. And you are Canadian citizens and you are worthy of being heard. Now, I can't act upon it because my science advisors say it's not time yet. But I've heard you. You've mm -hmm. made your point, And now it's time for you to disband. I think that would have gone a long way a long way to ending this thing. It's like that with so many things. Yeah. That whole situation with the convoy, to me, regardless of where it ends up, if we can, as a population, at least acknowledge that it was presented to us in a one-sided black-white theme. Yeah, of course. The media and the messaging from the government really exacerbated and made the dissenters, the people in the protest, more entrenched in their resolve. Right. That's the result of what we talked about earlier. It's that clash. The clash brings out yeah, on we, both sides. It becomes a circus. And no mediating force. In so mm. many sectors of society, when people clash, there's a mediator that is brought in mm -hmm. with workers and companies. There's mediators that are there to bring the sides together, to be the force of reason. Right. and compromise, et cetera, et cetera. No one has stepped into that space in that situation in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. So that's really a problematic element that neither side has brought that in, in a way. But I wanted to just mention something. There was a spiritual scientist named Rudolf Steiner mm. in the 1920s, 30s. Right. And he described the forces of the planet in this way. He said there's the force of kind of darkness. He called it Ahriman. And that force of darkness was contractive. It put you into the earth deeper and darker and more contracted in the planet, okay. in the physicality of things, hardening. And then counteracting that was a force of kind of light and expansion he called luciferic. Oh. Okay. So there's Araman, there's Lucifer, and Lucifer was filled with light. And if you go too far into the Luciferic area, you get drawn into the light too much. Light the word luce, which is, is from Latin. For yeah. So light, you have yeah. this light being, but can get lost in the light. 
if not balanced. So those two things are bouncing off each other. And then what Steiner said, there's a balancing force in the middle, which he called Christ consciousness. Now, we're not talking about traditional religion, esoteric Christianity. Okay. But he called this kind of a Christ consciousness that could balance the light the propensity to get lost in light and the propensity to get drawn into the darkness of contraction and the earth or technology. In essence, a mediator. Yeah, and so this force mediates those two, the light and the dark, and allows us to live in that zone, the -hmm. zone you love. (laughs) Well, I think that's the zone where you're going to have a more peaceful environment, a more cooperative, collaborative environment. Yeah. You can't have that when you have extreme divisiveness. It's impossible. So I wonder who in Canada mm. would be accepted by both the convoy and the government as a mediator, say, who could step forward and say, I will mediate a meeting between you two. And both could respect this person. Rick Mercer. Rick Mercer. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe not. You hit on something, though, that to me is extremely important in this situation. I think I've used this word in previous podcasts, the word levity. Yeah. I think part of the problem that we're in right now is we've stopped laughing. We've stopped finding humor in things. We've stopped our ability to lighten up. Yeah, there you go. And we all need to recharge our batteries sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I loved in the early time of the pandemic in Italy, Mm. the darkness of people dying in great numbers, tragically, balanced by the people on their balconies singing to each other and together, that lightness, that levity of human solidarity. Absolutely. And there's a lot to be said for that. You're injecting hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the injection we need. Yeah, that's (laughs) the real injection we need. Injection of hope in every arm. If you're going to jab, jab some hope. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. Jab some hope. Jab a pun, jab a a joke. If you You see a jab some hope posters around, you heard it here first. Jab some hope. I love that. We can make that into a yeah. T-shirt, man. I'm okay. only half joking. I'm, you no, know, I'm, I'm actually agree. quite serious about it because. Yeah. Oh, don't be too serious. No, you're not too serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to get out and let the sun hit your face every now and then, and just feel that warmth and feel the light and feel the and, sunshine and, and, and feel the springtime coming, which we're beginning to get a sense of now here mm-hmm. in February. You can feel the spring in some way. Today, especially, it's very warm out six or seven degrees now. Yeah. So, yeah, to step away from that darkness of your narrowly focused anger towards the authorities or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. To shift that is important. It also improves your coping mechanism. Our own consciousness is a mystery to us, ultimately. We don't know where it comes from. It's under the cover of darkness. Yeah, it really is. When you think about it, if you go into your own mental processes and and your dream life and all that stuff, there's a world there that is really dim. What did you call dreams? I thought that phrase was very apropos. You called it the cinema? Cinema of the mind. Cinema of the mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, on the radio, just on the way here, they were talking about how in this last couple of years, people are having COVID dreams, disturbing nightmares of being chased by ventilators through tunnels or what have you, very odd kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But it just shows us that we're, A, much more complicated than people like to make out we are. Mm -hmm. And B, it may be why we tend to fall into these extremes of everything or nothing, Mm -hmm. because it's scary 
to go into our own psyches and realize how complicated and varied the environment is, right? I think it also requires work. Yes, of course. And a willingness, which takes energy, of which people now have very little of. Yeah, we have to put on our miners hats with Mm -hmm. that little spotlight and walk into the cave of our own selves, Mm -hmm. of our own minds, and have a good look around because it is dark in there for the most part. And so it's critical that we do that now, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic, which we surely are, it seems, and to come out with a deeper understanding of our own self. Yes, I think that is one of the pluses of this whole thing. I know it's hard to see right now. Yeah. Before COVID, when we started this podcast four or five years ago, is that ability or that willingness to look inward. Yeah. If we all did that, even in limited degrees, this entire landscape would change. Of course it would. Of course it would. Because this whole notion of having a point of view, speaking of light, viewing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) hardens in people to a place where they can only see the one path forward in the darkness like having a little tiny spotlight on a laser beam spotlight. Whereas we need to broaden our spotlights now and get perspective, see each other again for the first time, especially people we've been in disagreement with. Sure. And try to imagine a world that is more light filled with more levity and more sharing and love, et cetera, et cetera, while we negotiate the nuts and bolts of this pandemic's end. And this isn't just about being hard on other people. It's about being hard on yourself. Yeah. And, you know, we've all bought into one or more points of view over the past two years. And we've kind of found our niche and our tribe and have just stayed there and been xenophobic. And I can't leave this tribe. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine living in the other tribe's village and understanding their way of life and their attitude and their culture. So that has made this divide really difficult to heal. Yes. And sometimes it's not even about engagement. It's about giving people time and space. Yeah, that's true. When I say the word time and space, I immediately think of the universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Darkness and light and abundance. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we look up into the night sky, into that darkness, we see light. There is light in every darkness, in other words, no matter where you look. Even if you shut your eyes, you're going to see flashes of light. So how would you wrap this up? What would you like to say about this, just to wrap this up? I don't really know what to say at this point, because I think anything that I would say would be very cliche. Yeah, Uh, hard to avoid that. It's hard to avoid that in this particular discussion. It's also because... My own point of view, I've come to the realization, especially over the last couple of years, that I do not have what I would call a typical perspective on what's happening. I'm not saying that there aren't people who think like me, but I think I'm in the minority. So the only thing I can say comes from my own experience, and that is it's like work. The harder you work, in my opinion, the more important it is to play. That's the same view I have about this. The bleaker and more difficult this becomes, the more it's important to recharge. Be less punitive to others mm-hmm. and to self. Yeah. And I don't think that's possible in any great amount if you are not in a good place yourself. Yeah, I, th- I can't add anything better to that. That's well said. And may we all find our way towards a brighter light as this thing winds its way down. And by the time we move through our next few podcasts, Mm. maybe we can actually 
share who we're going to be talking with and what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. We have a, a special guest coming on. Yes, um, we do. There's a gentleman that I talked to who's currently crossing Canada on foot. He's already done well over a thousand kilometers and mm-hmm. he plans to go from Newfoundland to BC over a period of 10 to 12 months. And without getting into any details about that at this point, because we're just at the initial discussions, we're hoping to interview him and perhaps join him on his journey across the country. Yeah. And so for people who are listening out there in different countries around the world, we do have another department on the SIL called Planetary Postcards, Mm -hmm. where we interview people from different places around the world to get a sense for what's going on there, the culture, get a snapshot of life in that area. So if you live in Brazil or India or wherever, Mm. give us a shout on our comments in our comments section. Or leave a voice message. Or leave a voice message and we'll connect with you and maybe give you a call and have you on our podcast. And in the meantime, if you go to the website, thesillpodcast.com and click on categories, you'll see the category for planetary postcards and you can see the people that we've already interviewed. Yeah, we've got four or five now Mm -hmm. from around the world, from Mm -hmm. Greece and Italy and South uh, Africa, South Africa and other places in Germany. Berlin. So yeah, we'd love to have you on the program and to get a sense for what life is like in your neck of the woods. Bring you a little bit more light. Yeah. On that note, ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.